Monday marks the first day of Missouri's stay-at-home order, which places restrictions on commercial businesses and keeps schools closed through most of April. But the city of St. Louis has had its own order for a longer period of time. St. Louis Mayor Lida Krusen joins Rachel Lipman and I to talk about the impact of coronavirus on the city and whether tighter curbs are on the horizon. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that, that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to this edition of Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Rachel Littman. Joining me from the uh, Maplewood Richmond Heights Bureau of St. Louis Public Radio is... Jason Rosenbaum. And uh, joining us via Zoom, because we are doing this social distancing style, is... Lida Krusen. The mayor of the city of St. Louis. Uh, Mayor Krusen, thank you for uh, taking the time to join us in what I know has been an incredibly busy last three weeks for you. Um, Remind me a little bit about where the city stands right now in terms of its response to the coronavirus. So as you know, Rachel, two weeks ago, in fact, it was two weeks ago today, uh, was the date that our stay-at-home order went into place. And it seems like much longer ago than two weeks ago, but uh, it's only been that two weeks. And in addition to that, of course, uh, we what we're saying to folks is it's really important, more important now than ever, to stay at home, only go out when you need to go to the grocery store or get medicine, do something that is really essential. Uh, and of course, there are people who are still going to work. And so we understand that some people are in positions, people who work in hospitals, our police department, our water department, our fire department, all of those folks still are going to work. And so that obviously is essential. But other than that, please stay home, stay off the, uh, stay off the streets because we do have community spread. We know that. Uh, It's fairly extensive at this point. And the only thing, the only thing that we can do to tamp down the spread of COVID-19 is change our behavior. There's no pill. There's no shot. There's no medicine for it. We just have to change our behavior so that we don't spread it. Mayor, how would you say that people are doing in, you know, uh, uh, voluntarily abiding by these terms of your stay at home order? You know, I think overall people are doing uh, uh, complying at a very high rate. Uh, The people of St. Louis are good folks. They don't want to get sick. They don't want to get their neighbors sick or their friends or bring it home to, you know, someone else who's in their household. So on uh, in general, People in St. Louis are doing well in complying with the stay-at-home order. I've been looking at some maps that have come out um, of the city of St. Louis, and one of the things that is disturbing to me, but it's also part of a national trend, is it seems like the most COVID-19 cases are in places in St. Louis that are predominantly African-American and predominantly full of places with with poverty. And I, I just wanted to ask you, 
Do you think that there's any correlation between those types of results on a map and the fact that the stay-at-home orders that we have in the city and the county do have exceptions for some people and some businesses where potentially a lot of low-income African-Americans are working at right now, like restaurants or other businesses that are still open? Well, you know, I think that's, that's not an unreasonable hypothesis. Um, I don't, we're not going to know that right now, but I, I certainly understand that as, uh, as a hypothesis. We see, for example, I'm looking at the city's map we put out today that in zip code 63115, there are 48 cases. Um, in other, in 63116, which is far south St. Louis, there are 30 cases. And 63118, there are 25. So I don't think right now we know exactly what uh, what the reason for that is, but you're right, it is a national trend. Although if you look at the zip code that I live in, which is uh, in the central quarter, there are 22 cases there and 27 cases uh, in the 63112 where uh, Washington University is and, and to the north. So I don't know the answer to it. What I do know though, is that we certainly, we all know that there are health disparities in terms of access to health, uh, in terms of health care that uh, most adversely affect uh, the lower income folks in our, in our city, in our state, in our country for that matter. And so perhaps this is an extension, seeing additional cases is an extension of that already existing disparity. Obviously, the city doesn't have a true public hospital in terms of one that it operates. Um, Barnes Jewish Slough are the closest kind of to it. What can the city do and what is the city doing to ensure that the people who you know, need to get treatment for COVID-19, who maybe aren't insured or scared to go to the hospital, don't have a primary care doctor, are getting tested, getting the, the care they need? You're right, Rachel. We The city no longer operates a hospital. I don't think we have for about 40 years. Uh, however, what we do have in our city is a number of federally qualified health centers, uh, 10 or 11. Affinia has five, CARE, uh, STL has three or four, People's Health has several, Family Care has several. So many people in our city do use federally qualified health centers as their so-called primary care. And so all of those health centers are doing testing for the folks who are their patients normally. And then in addition to that, the city insisted, um, my office worked very hard with the Regional Health Commission and others to insist that we have at least two testing sites that would be open to anyone, whether they were a patient of a particular federally qualified health center or not. And so one opened last Wednesday, and that was uh, an Affinia site at 1717 Biddle. And the other open today, which is a CARE STL site, which is at 5471 Martin Luther King. I know something else that a lot of people are concerned about too is the parks. Um, St. Louis County has taken steps to close its parks. You've said you don't want to make that step in the city, and they're obviously important ways for people to get out, take a break, uh, relieve some of the stress. At what point do you say, you know, the voluntary compliance from people isn't enough and unfortunately we'll have to take that step? You know, I, I think that at this point we aren't, we aren't there yet. If you read the CDC guidelines and a lot of guidelines uh, with regard to uh, getting outdoors, we know that uh, 
ultraviolet light, the sunlight uh, actually actually kills viruses. So for that reason, and because for people's mental health, people need to get out, get some fresh air, um, and get a little exercise. That's for your physical health, of course, both. And so we have not closed our parks. Here's what we have done. We have closed the playgrounds in our parks because it's just not safe to have those kids, uh, you know, on that playground equipment uh, next to other kids or, or even having the virus perhaps on the equipment. So it's not safe to do that. We have also uh, closed court sports. So um, tennis, basketball, pickleball, handball in our parks for the same reason. You're just close to one another, you know, breathing all over each other, trading sweat. Uh, and it's just uh, not safe to engage in those sports. But to take a walk, but maintain your six foot distance is a healthy thing to do. And we are trying to keep our parks open so that you can do that. I guess the last point that I would make is that we have closed the roads, uh, some of the roads in our major parks, and we've closed them to cars in order to give more space for walkers. It's not that we're um, trying to be rude to the cars, but we really need to give that space over to the folks that are walking or running in the park so that um, so that our parks don't get overcrowded and we can maintain that six foot distance. So the fact that the county parks are closed and the city parks are not, um, it's for some people that have followed the fragmentation between the two jurisdictions, it's an example of maybe how the county and the city, while they're doing similar things, because the county also has a stay-at-home order, they haven't been doing exactly the same things. And I wanted to ask you, has there just been an inability for you and County Executive Page to be, for lack of a better word, on the same page? And if so, like, why haven't the city and county done identical steps, like, for example, with the park situation? Well, you know, we, we talked about that, and I don't think there's any inability to work together. We have collaborated on this over the last three weeks or a month, uh, really in a, in a very uh, incredible way. Not just uh, Sam Page and I, but also County Executive Elman, Tim Brinker in Franklin County, uh, Mark Kern over in St. Clair County, along with the hospitals. But the city is denser than the county. Um, a lot of the county, and this is my assessment, but a lot of the county does have, folks have yards, folks have more of a place to walk or, or play at home than in the city where a lot of people uh, live in, in apartments, live in condos, live in high rises. Of course, there are places who have yards as well, but I just think we are much denser in the city. We're 300,000 people over 62 square miles. The county is around a million people over 400 square miles. I don't remember their exact, uh, but it's just not as dense in the county. And so perhaps there's other alternatives for folks there. The other thing you have in the county is you've got the 88 municipalities. And um, I think I heard on the radio the other day that there were 70 something parks in the county that were closed. But in our little city, our 62 square miles in the city, we have 109 parks. And all that is part of the quality of life of living in the city. And we just live in a, a denser area and, and feel that uh, we're, we're gonna give our folks the opportunity to continue to socially distance and be able to get outside. Is there anything in hindsight that you wish you would have done differently or acted sooner on? 
you know, in, in hindsight, I think we did a pretty good job. We put the stay at home order in place two weeks ago and you saw other major cities who, uh, who had a lot more uh, cases than we did. And so at the time we put it in place, it was a very difficult decision to make because we only had a few cases, but we listened to the medical professionals, BJC, Mercy, SSM, uh, and they were all saying, you have to do this if you want to tamp down this spread. So I think we did a, a pretty good job. We are trying to use every method possible to communicate this to folks and to help folks to understand how important this is. You know, there were just um, the, the St. Louis Metropolitan Pandemic Task Force, which is made up of all the same people that have been working together for the last um, three or four weeks, just rolled out on Saturday morning, it was. And Dr. Garza is the spokesperson for that. He's going to do an update every day at three o'clock. But what you saw there was in, in the predictions, it was pretty sobering, I thought. There were 160 cases of folks that were in ICU and uh, over 100 that were on ventilators. And so when you look at that and you look at what the, what the peak is expected to be, which is in the next two to three weeks somewhere towards the end of April, our peak here in St. Louis. And you realize that the model shows that more, more than 80,000 people in the metro area could become infected by the end of April. Then you realize, uh, I'm glad we put the stay-at-home order in place at the time that we did, because I think it would be even worse had we not. Was it frustrating at all to, you know, have you act, uh, Sam Page acted, other county executives acted to implement similar restrictions. And it took Governor Parson until last week to finally say for the entire state, we are going to take what people are arguing is actually a pretty weak step and put something in statewide. I mean, what, what more have you wanted kind of from the state to help with your response? Well, uh, I spoke with Governor Parson several times and encouraged him to put a stay-at-home order in place statewide because, as you know, Kansas City also had put a stay-at-home order in place at about the time, same time we did. And so I, I think I would have preferred that because it would have uh, sent a, a very serious message, but that didn't happen. And so local officials did act, and I'm glad that we did. I'm going to ask you a very blunt question because I know that you're from rural Missouri. Do you think that people in rural Missouri would follow a stay-at-home order? Well, I think there are a couple of things that explain it. You, you know that I, uh, I graduated from high school in Moberly, Missouri. And I, of course, I've lived in St. Louis for, oh gosh, don't, not 50 years, but, you know, oh, 45 years or so. And so I consider myself certainly a St. Louisan at this point, but I have a sister who lives in La Plata, Missouri. My mom, until she passed away uh, just a couple of months ago, lived in Kirksville. And so I know a little bit about uh, how some folks think in rural Missouri, but when you say to those folks, hmm, if you get it, you don't have a hospital, you'll be going to a bigger city or town. Maybe they would go to Columbia or... Springfield, Kansas City, St. Louis. And if you get it, even if you do have a hospital, how many ventilators does your hospital have? And so it's a matter that rural Missouri depends on, on 
the bigger areas for some of its most serious health care. And I think folks do understand that it is hard, though, and I, I relate to the fact that they say, well, we don't have any cases. And then you say, but no, you just don't have any cases because you haven't had hardly any testing. You don't really know how many cases you have. Um, so I don't, I, I think rural Missouri is, is concerned also. And as they begin to get more cases, which is what you're seeing happen, they will, they will get even more serious about it. How is the testing situation in the St. Louis area? Do we have enough to be able to really get a picture of what this uh, virus, this pandemic is looking like? Or are we still kind of flying a tad bit blind here in terms of actual numbers? Uh, we don't have enough tests. Everybody that you talk to will say, no, we don't have enough tests. So we have to, um, there's some, there's a saying that goes something like uh, you, you go to, battle with what you have, something along those lines. And I think that's where we are with tests. We don't have them. There aren't enough in the country for anyone. The areas of our country that have thousands and thousands and thousands of cases like New York, uh, you know, East, Upper East Coast and West Coast are getting more of the tests because they have more need for it. Um, we wish we had more tests. We don't. So uh, we just have to continue to do the best we can, try to socially isolate um, and, and stay away from one another. And we'll be right back after the short break. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Mayor Lyda Krusen. I'm Rachel Lippman, joined by fellow political reporter Jason Rosenbaum. And, and Mayor, um, different political leaders have made sort of a different calculation as to how much information they are going to release about individuals who have the illness, where they worked, um, who they may have come in contact with, those kind of things. And you faced some criticism for erring on the side of not releasing a lot of information. And I was wondering where you came to the decision to, you know, kind of play it close to the vest when it comes to providing the information. And would you agree or at least sort of understand where people are coming from when they say the public's owed more information to be able to keep themselves safe? I think this is a really tough question. What we're trying to do is to provide as much information as possible without identifying the individuals. Your medical health information and mine is belongs to us. It's our information. It's not up to our employer or our um, government to tell the world about our personal medical information. And so I think the world does need to know, the folks in the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County, they do need to know uh, in the big picture about who's being infected with this disease. And that's why last week, I think it was on Thursday, Wednesday, I guess it was Wednesday, we were the first to put out the zip code map. St. Louis County has since followed just a day or two later. And so you, you know, it shows some very interesting things, but the one overriding thing that it shows is that this affects everyone. The other thing we put out, and I was, I was just looking at it before, uh, before I called in here, but we put out the information by age. So how many people in their 20s, how many people in their 30s, 40s, 50s. And what you see there is also 
shows you that everyone get this gets this. So there were 38 cases of folks in the city of St. Louis. Uh, this is probably data through yesterday because it hasn't been updated, I don't think yet today, but 38 people yesterday in their 20s who have it. And there were 51 in their 30s and there were 45 in their 40s. And so I think that information is important. And the other thing that we put out, this is interesting to me, we put out male, female, and it looks like we're almost exactly 50 50 on the on the male female uh, information. So um, we're trying to give put out as much information as we can, so that, frankly, as a communication tool, we want the public to look at this information and say, "Oh, this is everywhere. This affects all of us. I better stay home." So it's intended as a persuasion uh, piece of information. I think that the reason why people may want more information, especially like where what somebody who got COVID works, is some people may want to know like where not to go in, in case like an essential business had an employee with COVID. Can you address that part? Because I think that that is kind of the main source of, I guess, criticism with this approach about the specificity would maybe serve the public better. Sure. And, and I understand that. I think it is safe to assume that any business, every business of any size is the way I should say that, has had someone who has COVID-19 or is presumed to have it. They may not have had the test yet, but any big business has had someone who has, uh, is either quarantined or has tested positive for COVID-19. You just can't escape this. And so that's why you need to take the precautions of staying home and staying six feet apart from one another and not even getting together with your family who doesn't live in your same household. And because I think it's a fair assumption that where you work or where you're going, there's somebody there that has had it, has it, or has been exposed to it. Mayor, how prepared is the city's essential workforce? I'm thinking police, fire, EMS, the frontline workers who are exposed to this on a regular daily basis likely. How prepared are, is, are those departments to be able to continue responding given the need for you know, the 14-day quarantine and some of the other guidelines from the CDC that can really impact the workforce? You know, our frontline workers, and that you mentioned police, fire, EMS, of course, but our health workers, uh, and, and frankly, grocery store workers. You know, if you've been to the grocery store lately, you know uh, how, uh, how busy they are. All of those workers have, have additional exposure that some of us who are staying home or staying in our own office uh, don't have. And that's why it's so important that they have PPE, personal protective equipment. Uh, and that's masks, it's gloves, in some cases it's gowns, it's um, shoe covers, it's hand sanitizer, it's um, disinfectant. You know, in City Hall, we have a very, a very skinny, skinny staff in City Hall right now. Um, in our, my office today, I think we have four people here, five people, uh, because we're rotating folks in and out in order to reduce exposure. But uh, for those folks, most people are staying home. 
And the folks that are out there on the front lines do have to wear this personal protective equipment. And it's our job to be sure we can get enough of it for them. Um, that's been very, very challenging. We have ordered from everywhere imaginable and paid uh, quite high prices in order to have the PPE necessary for, for our workers. Um, and I should mention our water department. You know, the city owns its own water department. We sure have to keep our good water going and we've got to keep those employees safe. So there, there are a lot of folks that, that we are um, responsible for making sure they have PPE. But just in terms of the sheer numbers, if you know mm -hmm. an officer contracts the coronavirus, they're off the you know for until the, uh, the, they meet the CDC guidelines for coming back to work. I'm assuming their partner probably also has to be quarantined right. for a certain amount of time. Just in terms of the sheer manpower it takes to make a city function, are you guys prepared to lose two, four, six, eight, ten officers, firefighters, water workers at a time? Well, we don't want to because it's not like we have additional folks uh, sitting around. You know that before this started, we were almost 150 police officers short. So every officer who is positive, it's terrible for him. But it, it also quarantines usually a number of other people, folks that he has come into contact with, either works with or uh, had some interaction with. And so it is uh, of course, it's it's a struggle, but that's that's what we have to do. And I want to ask about the financial impact of this, because obviously now sales tax everywhere, not just in St. Louis City, is probably at an all-time low because a lot of businesses yes. are closed. Um, right. I want to get a sense of what you think the financial impact is going to be for the city. And as kind of a second part to that question, how able is the city going to be able to access money from the CARES Act? Because my understanding is they're only sending money to local jurisdictions at a certain population, which the city of St. Louis may not hit. So I want you to address both of those points. Well, the city's budget is taking a hit tens of millions of dollars uh, just in this fourth quarter that we're in right now. And so we are not hiring anybody except for very essential people, police, fire, EMS, of course. Uh, we have uh, stopped uh, buying anything at all that uh, that isn't personal protective equipment. And so we are really trying to tighten the belt in a city that already has a tight budget. Um, what was the second part of your question, Jason? I'm sorry. Oh, that, that, budget yeah. and then? He was asking about um, access to the CARES Act. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. I'm the, sorry. How, how able is the city going to be to access federal money? Yes. Well, there is no city in Missouri that meets the uh, direct access to the CARES Act because you have to have 500,000 people and there's no city in, the, in Missouri that does that. So we have to work with the governor to get what we need out of the CARES Act. Now the exception to that is block grant money and um, homeless services money, that is direct to cities. But beyond that, uh, we, have to, we have to get reimbursed from the state. And so we are, uh, I, been in conversations with the governor. We want to make sure the governor uh, knows what our needs are and um, that we are able to uh, get get the funds that we need to continue operating because city workers and, you know, we still have to pick up the trash. We've still got a police. We've still got to run a water department, fire department, EMS. And so um, we, we, we can't lay those people off. We don't want to do that. And we've got to figure out how to get reimbursed for those costs through the uh, through the state, how 
likely is it going to be that you're going to be able to provide the raises that city employees were promised through the last pay bill and what has to give in order to be able to provide those raises? So in the last pay bill, there was a $1,000 per employee um, increase, which was for services already provided. And we are going to continue with that. We, we did look at it but we've announced it to people and that is, that is going to continue. <clears throat> now, the other thing that we announced was that there would be a 3% raise, merit raise on your anniversary date. And that is really up in the air right now as to whether or not we will be able to do that at all. In a non-pandemic world, as you go into the last year of your fourth term, or <laughs> the last year of your first term as mayor, what would you have hoped your priorities would be at this point? What would you have been wanting to do other than responding to COVID-19? Well, you know, our priorities uh, remain uh, after, COVID, after the pandemic, uh, of course, remain public safety, better services for our uh, residents, demolition, more after school programs, more recreation programs for young people, really uh, programs that help give people a hand up and programs that invest back in our neighborhoods in terms of public safety demolition and, and those kinds of things. So those, uh, those are still priorities right now. They, uh, you know, this pandemic, I, I said to someone the other day, and maybe everyone would agree with this, uh, this is definitely not something that I ever expected. I have learned a tremendous amount in the last uh, couple of months about pandemics and uh, the steps that you need to take. But uh, you know, most of us haven't learned uh, you know learned that in our lifetimes. And and uh, I guess I'm I'm glad I learned it. But I, I wish it had not been through such a, a serious health issue for our people because these next few weeks are going to be very, very difficult across our country and in St. Louis. Mayor Leda Krusen, thank you very much for joining us on Politically Speaking. For all of our stories, you can go to stlpublicradio.org. I'm on Twitter, at R. Lipman. Jason, where can people find you? At J. Rosenbaum. And Mayor Krusen, how can people find you on Twitter, social media, etc.? At Lida Krusen is Twitter, and Mayor Lida Krusen is on Facebook and Instagram and many other spots. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Until next time, so long. I'm